So vision, vision, vision. See, that was me speaking Canadian right there. Vision, mission, determination. What is vision versus mission? The difference between vision and mission, the definition. Vision is an aspirational description of what an organization uh, like the church would like to achieve in the future. Mission is the declaration of an organization's core purpose. Does that make sense? I'll say that again. Vision is an aspirational description of what an organization would like to achieve in the future. So vision, where you want to go. And the mission is the declaration of the core purpose. So it's the engine inside of the vision to get to the end point. All right? So future versus present. Vision describes the future. And mission describes the present. It talks about where we're starting and it talks about the process of getting to where we want to go. Why am I talking about this? Because after setback, after setback, after setback, I believe that it is time for us to aggressively begin to move forward as a church. Mission says, this is where we are who we are, and what we value. Vision says this is where we are going without forgetting who we are and what we value. That's important. In fact, those values drive the vision forward. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I've watched more churches, I've watched more leaders crash on the rock of good ideas. I've watched more churches fail because they look at the church down the road and they copy the idea that they have because it's a good idea and it's working for them. Guess what? It's working for them because God gave it to them. I'll be honest with you. I get irritated beyond when we can't sit down and begin to talk to God who's the most creative thing a thing, person, and say, what do you want us to do and believe that He has something specific for us that's different than what's down the road? Looking at what's down the road and copying it is easy. I'm not saying that God may not do that. He might. He might say, hey, that church down the road, go talk to that pastor. Find out how they did that. And you know what? There are some common sense things that you copy. Like, you know, really, there are. I mean, like, you know, most churches have a worship team. I mean, we're just not going to do that anymore because we're in, woo, we're just going to stand in the room and mime worship. You know, like, come on, common sense. But some of the things that we're doing and starting to do in our services, you saw two things this morning. We didn't look at another church down the road or somewhere and say, we're going to copy that. We just said, what can we do to get information to you in a way that's not going to take up time away from ministry? Because we want ministry to be the number one thing that happens in this room. But there's a lot of things that go on around here that we also know that you need to know about. Right? Right? Uh, that creates a bit of a conundrum. 
And I can tell you that back when we used to do traditional announcements, we would say nothing after Thursday. Do you know how many times I would get asked on a Sunday morning, can you announce this? Every Sunday. And do you know how many times I would get multiple things that needed to be announced on Sunday? Every Sunday. And because I'm a really nice guy, you know how often I would do it? Every Sunday. And I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying we needed to find a better way. We needed to do things differently. And one thing the pandemic did to us was forced us to move forward in the technical age. How many are thankful for you know, being able to live stream and have those tools available should we not be able to be open? I'm very thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the people who are involved. How many are thankful for the camera people and all those new people that have signed up? There's about six people up there now that weren't up there before, I think. They rotate. I think, how many are thankful for them? Give them, a, give them a thumbs up. Come on. I asked them if they could make me look 20 years younger and 25 pounds lighter. They said there's no camera invented for that yet. Mission says this is where we are. We did something when I first got here to figure out what our core values are. Out in that hallway, there's some pictures on the wall. And you probably, if you're a newer, you might walk by those and go, those are nice. What are they? We didn't just randomly reach out into the sky and go, there's a church down the road that has those, and so those are ours. And I do know of churches that just pick values. I did a survey with the congregation. I did a survey with the board. I did a survey with the pastors. And then I did a survey with myself. And then I took all that data together and I pulled out the most common ones and I narrowed the list down to the most common values that were held by every single group. And that is the list. And you might say, well, so? Well, that becomes our mission. And we look at that and we say, now every dollar we spend, every event that we do, should line up with one of those. One of the worst things you can do is do something because I heard so-and-so did this event. It's a great event. Listen, I've watched churches do great events and they don't even know why they did it. And they never had any follow-up or anything else and it didn't help the church. It was good for just that day and that was the end of it. How many of you noticed at Christmas when we did Food boxes to the community, clothes with love. We did the uh, Christmas uh, boxes for the kids, angel tree. How many of you noticed that even though it was a lot of things all at once, all of it happened and all of it got done? How many of you noticed that? Okay, three of us noticed that. You know why? Because you'll find it on that wall out there. It's what you're passionate about as a church. And you might go... Well, how do you know it hasn't changed, Pastor? You've been here for like a hundred years. No, I haven't been. It just looks that way. How do I know the DNA of the church will never change? The DNA stays the same. What happens is what it looks like will change. 
from generation to generation, but the DNA does not change. So those values in 20 years will still be the same, but it'll be up to that pastor at that time unless Jesus comes, and I pray he does. What those values look like at that time. And that has to be reinterpreted over and over and over. And I've kept a very careful watch on those things in my time here. My mistake was trying to go at that so quickly when I got here because I don't think we were ready to do it. I just don't think we were there yet. But I think we're there now. Because the community is beginning to respond. They're beginning to come to us. They're starting to call. The phone is starting to ring and say, hey, I have this need. That's starting to happen more and more. And we're beginning to minister to the community. And I don't know if you're noticing, but they're building houses almost up to our front door now. It's getting a wee bit easier. Yes, no? God's doing his thing. We just need to be ready. Vision says this is where we are going without forgetting who we are and what we value. That is so incredibly important. In fact, those values drive us at all times. For example, I value authenticity. That's one of my biggest core values. So what does that mean in my life? That means that I try to be myself at all times. I try to be just real. You know, I don't try to all of a sudden throw on my Superman suit when I'm up here. I mean, yeah, I like to have fun and all those kinds of things. And, you know, I get it. But I try to be me. I don't try to all of a sudden get all a different kind of voice. I, don't, I try not to do that. You know, that's just, I, I try to just be me so that when you are talking to me outside of the pulpit versus in the pulpit, it's, I'm the same person as best as I can. Now, the only difference that you probably will notice is outside of the pulpit, I'm fairly shy. Some of you are going, no, you're not. I am. I am. I'm introverted. And so it's a bit of a challenge for me outside of the pulpit to like, you know, engage. I have to really kind of push myself and, you know, give myself a kick. But once I get going, I'm okay. So just sharing that. So let's get into the Word now. Believe it or not, this is going to be fast. Without a destination, we perish. How many of you have ever gone on a vacation, loaded up the car, packed it to the roof, to the point that you couldn't see out the rearview mirror, you had to count on maybe hanging one of the kids out the window and telling them to look behind, you know, hey, I'm going to hang you out the window, I got your legs, tell me if you saw that sign. You haven't tried that? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Okay. Um, how many of you ever had your car packed right down to the gills and you're on a vacation? And, you know, but you didn't, have a, uh, you didn't know where you're going. Of course not. You all knew where you're going. Now, we are a family of many. Oh, that's all I'm going to say. And we used to have a Kia Sedona. Uh-huh. It's true. And my wife is a phenomenal packer. Like, she, I think, has the ability to see space. And in her head, she can, like, 
pack. And then when she starts, just get out of the way. Now me, I just, they hand me stuff and I wing it in the back. You know? They don't need that seat. Who cares? They're fine. They're fine. She actually said to me they needed leg room. I said, no, they don't. It's a 14-hour car ride. No, they're fine. They can cross their legs. So anyhow, loaded up the vehicle, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking at the passenger backside, and I'm noticing that the wheel is sitting on the top, literally, of the wheel well. And I'm, I'm thinking we're going to be doing wheelies down the highway. And I'm thinking something's not right. So I take it for a little drive. And I'm hearing rubbing and thumping and banging. And I'm thinking, well, which kid can we leave home? Can't do that. And I get back home and I'm like, something's wrong with your van. So I took it to the local garage and uh, Again, you guys don't think Southern Illinois is the South, but trust me, Southern Illinois, where we were, was like a melting pot. Some, you could have two people who grew, that, grew up there. One spoke perfect English, and the other one sounded like he had 12 pounds of chaw in his mouth. I mean, you just didn't know what you were going to get. And I get this guy's like, well, Pastor Dan, I ain't ever seen anything like this before. We don't usually see the entire coil snapped clear in half. Like, I mean, it snapped clear in half. Like, it's broken. I thought I got it the first time. And I said, well, can you just fix it? Pastor Dan, it's a snap clear in half. Like, that doesn't happen. We don't, we don't get those parts because it doesn't happen. I'm like, oh, okay. What do I do? He said, well, we can order it, but it's going to be next week. I'm thinking, we're going on vacation tomorrow. We were going to see the ark, you know. Well, it wasn't built yet. We were hoping to get a look at it, but there's other stuff there, right? The kids were excited and stuff. And so he calls a store in, in Kentucky, and they had a coil. And he said, you got to get it to Kentucky. Get ready for it. You're going to love the answer to the problem. If you can get it to Kentucky, they'll fix it. I said, well, it's riding on the wheel. He goes, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> now, I'm just thinking, you know, I mean... I'm just thinking, I know a few mechanics, and I think they would agree that that's a problem, yeah. He goes, well, here's what, let me have a look at it, and I'll come back to you. So he calls me back, Pastor Dan, come pick up your van, I think I got a temporary fix. I get there, he goes, come with me. And I go up there, and he goes, I don't think this is going to be, like, safe, but you can try it if you want. And I go, what? And I look up, and he had wrapped wire, like bale wire, and then duct tape. 
to hold this thing together. And I'm going, I'm, I'm, I mean, I was going Catholic and everything all at the same time. I'm like, you know, oh, Jesus, help me. You know, Anyhow, we got it fixed. We had a great vacation. But it was, you know, we didn't go without a destination. We knew where we were going. And Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 talks about this. Without a destination, we perish. We won't survive. In the NIV version, it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. I mean, that's a pretty clear verse, right? But I like the King James Version's take on this a little better. It says, where there is no vision. Now, vision is, remember, vision is the end point where we're going, right? Where God wants us to be. Where there is no vision, the people perish. They literally die. They die. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. So without a vision or a future in our hearts and the church, there is one thing that will happen. We will perish. And I'm going to let you know, there are denominations around the world, especially in North America, that are closing churches in record numbers every year, and they're selling off the property because they can't keep them open because they have no vision for them. How many of you knew we were a Pentecostal church? And what distinguishes us as a Pentecostal church from every other church is we believe absolutely that the Holy Spirit is to play a key part in everything that we do and believe, and we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, that they are for today. We believe that. But there was a generation of churches in the 90s that said, hey, if we... You know, maybe we're scaring people, but the devil planted that seed real good. And so they toned down to the point where they turned the volume off. Ever try to listen to music in your car with the volume off? And the kids went, oh yeah. Listen, if you're riding with my kids in the car, your ears bleed. You know, it's like, wow. Let it get loud. Do you remember when you liked it loud? <laughs> Some of you are going, no, yes, you did. <laughs> as loud as you could handle it anyway. The old speakers used to crack and everything back then, I remember. But now they can take it like, wow, make the bones in your head move, you know. And so we have to understand that when they made that radical shift, an entire generation was denied the opportunity to experience what our generation experienced all the time. And now we're saying our churches are losing people. What do we do? And I'm going to say something right now, and if you don't, 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 don't come after me, because I'm ready for you. But if you could get up and walk out of this church and go down the road 
to just a mainline evangelical church and not notice the difference, then we are not doing our job. That's a fact. I've had lots of friends that pastor me line. I, one of my best friends was a Baptist pastor, so I, I, I'm not throwing shade at anybody that's in those churches. I'm just saying there's distinctive differences. They're proud of where they're at, and I am very comfortable with the fact that we are following the Bible. And I won't back down from that until I am standing before Jesus. I won't. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm telling you that there was pressure on pastors even during that time. You need to tone it down. I remember going in as a speaker to a rally in Pentecostal circles and was told, when you have the altar call, have everybody like, they they need to sit down because we don't want to see anybody, you know, go down under the power. It'll scare people. What? I wanted to stop and lay hands on them. I'm serious. I mean, you're going, what's the power? Well, you felt it during worship, right? It's the same power. Just sometimes you get a little weak need and you end up having a little dirt nap. You know? I have never seen anybody have a true experience with the Spirit of God and never come back. Have you? I haven't. You know, my first encounter with the Spirit of God was a guy got up behind me on a Sunday morning and gave a, a message in tongues, literally sitting right behind me. That was my first experience going from Catholic to Pentecostal. That's a big jump, let me tell you. And he had a booming voice. And then he gave the interpretation in English. And I'm standing next to my dad, and I thought, you're not stopping this guy. Why are you stopping this guy? Where's security? I didn't want to go back, but, but it stuck with me. I knew something was supernatural about that moment. We have to have a mission destination. Mission and vision have got to work together. In Matthew 28, Starting at verse 19, he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Does that sound to you at all like the definition of what maybe we in North America have made church out to be? I'll read it again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That sounds pretty radical, doesn't it? Get them saved, make sure they're saved, and then get them baptized in the water. Get them in the tank, right? I'm just being real. And why am I saying it so bluntly? Not to scold anybody here today, to set the bar for where we're going to go. We're going there. And you know what? There are people out there in this world right now that want to go there. They're looking to go there. And we need to stop worrying about, oh, if we do that, Susie's going to be offended and she's going to leave. Oh, well. Ten other people who are out there right now that are lost, 
that are probably right now currently not saved, punch their ticket on their way to an eternal darkness, might come in the door. I'm going to shoot straight. I've had people come to me over the years that have said, I'm, I'm not into this Pentecost stuff. And I'm like, I totally understand that. Would you like me to help you find a church that is a good fit for you? It doesn't have to be ugly and it doesn't have to be mean. It can be good. And when I reached out to the other pastor, they usually are kind of stunned. They think, why are you calling me and giving me this person? What's wrong with them? Nothing's wrong with them. They're fantastic. They just don't like, hello? (laughs) They just don't like some of the distinctives of who and what we are. Fair enough, right? He goes on and says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Between now and the end point, this is mission. The values we must adhere to in order to get to the vision we ascribe to fulfill. Those values out there on the wall, I promise you, were not just pictures. They look good. They're fantastically well done. But they're there to remind us. Just like, just like our forefathers in the Old Testament would set up you know, monuments and stone statues to remind them. They had things that they did to remind them of what God did. Traditions of things to remind them of where to go or how to do what they needed to do. That's why they're there. Because there's things that we are doing currently and there are things that we're not. And we need to do them all. Hello. Because when we hit on all of those, something will begin to happen. And it'll be weird. You're you're sitting there going, what's going to happen? All of a sudden, you're going to see new faces. Just They'll just be here. And then all of a sudden, you're going to see just new people volunteering. And, you know, grow track. If you haven't gone through it, listen, just make the decision and do it. It's a chance to connect with us pastors, to ask questions. And you know what? If you decide you want to be a member after the fact, that's fantastic but we really want you to go through it because you need to understand our hearts so you can serve alongside of us in ministry. Right? I mean, that's, that's, it's important. It's a huge, important thing. Between now and the end point, mission, the values we must adhere to in order to get to the vision, the end point. Mission begins with, when we look at this verse, go and make disciples of all nations. Value like-minded followers. We as a church need to be like-minded followers together. Now, we're not all going to go, when I say that, I don't mean, okay, we all agree on the song list on Sunday. That will never happen. Trust me. Wow, will that never happen. That won't ever happen. It just won't. I mean, the reality is we have probably as many as seven generations in this room, sorry, seven decades or more in this room represented. So you know that can't happen. However, we can appreciate all of it. And we should. I talk to the young people about appreciating what's sitting in this room 
on the back end because it paved the way for them. But on the other end, older folks, you need to appreciate what needs to be there for them because this is their time. And we need to wrap ourselves around them and be a wall so that they can grow strong, so that they can stand because they are facing things we have never seen before. I mean, when they can't even say, I can't even say it because the video won't be online, but I'll do this. You know, you can't say those things anymore. The pronouns, especially if you go to a college campus, I would be so confused my head would explode. I wouldn't know what to do. There's just so many things coming at these young people today. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Value to seal the relationship. We need to value to see these people seal their relationship with God. Teaching them to obey everything that we have been commanded to do. It's our job to show new people coming in what we've been commanded to do. It's great that you're doing a ministry, but if you don't have somebody on your hip, then you're not showing them the work of the ministry. It's, it's, part of the do, it's part of the job. Put somebody on your hip. Let them walk with you. Let them see what it is you do. You might go, well, I just stand there. I stand there at the door. And I go, hi. No, you don't. You stand at that door as a kingdom representative and you are greeting them with a heavenly smile and you are removing the fear that the devil has put in their heart and you are welcoming them, welcoming them into a moment of possible life transformation. And how do we know that maybe they came in the door because everybody smiles and their marriage is on its last legs and you intervening by having a three-minute conversation didn't set the tone for God releasing them and healing them? Come on, somebody say amen because that's the truth. How do I know this is true? You might go, well, how do you know? Because you don't work at the door. I do go work at the door. While you guys are singing the first three songs, I go hang out at the door and I watch. But recently I went to a church and they had somebody who opened the door and stood outside and said hi to me and my wife. And again, I'm shy. So I'm like, uh, get back. <laughs> Pepper spray, you know. And she was so engaging. She's like, hi, I'm so glad you're here. And I was like, do you know who I am or something? And then I went inside, and, and I think there was either her or the other girl said, do you, can I give you some help? And do you, know, do you need help getting somewhere in the building? And I said, actually, yes, I need to use the men's room. I'm old, leave me alone. <laughs> And she said, you know what, that's a great question because in the way the building was designed, it was kind of hard to find. And so another person walked us around and then she said, when be careful going in the sanctuary because it's dark in there and when you walk in, there's some cables on the floor because we have TV cameras in there. 
And I thought, by the time I went into the sanctuary, I wanted to stay there. I was so relaxed. Don't tell me they weren't making a kingdom impact. They were. So if you're one of our people on the greeter team, let me just say this to you. Thank you. And that continues right into the ushers. Same thing. Helping people to and from seats. We had people on chemo, people on oxygen. They just need an arm sometimes to help walk them in and out. Simple kindness gestures like that are huge when you don't feel good. When you just don't feel well. Vision, mission. Now there's a new component. Determination. Here it is. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal. So again, he's saying he hasn't arrived at the vision yet. It's not completed. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. So he's saying Jesus grabbed me for a purpose. He had a vision for me. And I'm pressing on for the purpose, the vision that he grabbed onto me for. So he's lock in step with that. He's using some really heavy words. Clearly, he's a very phenomenal writer. Let's be real. He is. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take a, taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to camp here for a second because this is where most people get derailed. Everyone say derailed. Verse 13, he clarifies, I do not consider myself yet to take a hold of it. Vision being the end point. He's saying I haven't gotten there yet. And mission is the steps and the values needed to get there It is clear to Paul that he has not gotten there. And you know how he knows it? Because he knows what he values. He knows the mission. He knows he's not done. He knows. And in your own life, I can ask you this question. What matters to you most? What do you value more than anything? Don't even answer it. Some of you are going to say family. And some of you are going to say maybe your kids. And the truth is, For a lot of us, that is 100% the case. And you're wanting your kids to be in college, out of college, and married, and then you know for you everything else is gravy after that. You know, you want to get to that point. And that's a noble, honest vision. But if God's added something on top of that, be ready for it. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Vision, this is good, get ready. Vision always looks ahead. Vision never looks over your shoulder. When you start looking backward, you're done. You're done. I used to play floor hockey all the time, like ball hockey. And we played on a tennis court, and one of the guys I played with was trying to race me for the ball. And I was pretty fast back then. Now I'm like a turtle. But anyhow, I was running. He was running. And there's a piece of the fence was cut out, the lower section. 
And uh, I decided to stop running. He didn't. And the bar hit him in the forehead and clotheslined him. You know why it hit him in the forehead? Because he was looking back. And hit him right there. And like he did like one of those 360 things and landed on his face. He was looking back. Vision never looks back. Vision's always looking ahead. In this case, straining towards what is ahead. Verse 13. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Pressing on toward the goal is all vision to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is mission. And the values are all along the road in the journey. Did you get that? So as we're looking forward towards the vision and we're going down that road, the values are all along the road. And the values do help guide us towards the vision. They really do. Where we can get ourselves into trouble individually. And by the way, you might go, why is he preaching about the church's vision today? Because I am. But I'm also talking about your life. If you've never sat down with a piece of paper and said, what is the vision for my life? Question mark. And put that at the end of the line. And then along the line, put down, what do I value? And wrote, wrote, write that down. And then just begin to live your life intentionally towards those things you value. Where we struggle, when you get depressed, when you get down, when you really begin to, you know, for lack of a better word, hate your life, is when you're in direct conflict with the things you value. Most of the leaders that I work with or that I mentor, and I've mentored pastors everywhere I've been, one of the first things I ask them is, what do they value most? And then my second question is, what are you currently doing? And almost always, what they're doing isn't even on the list of things they value. And they're spending all their time on this thing over here. And it's slowly killing them. It's drying them up. And they're like, well, what do I do? It has to get done. I said, can I say something to you, pastor, out of respect, out of love for you? You are stealing somebody's calling right now. They're like, what do you mean? That thing that you're doing right now, you're stealing it from somebody else that would be passionate about doing that. You need to find out who that person is. And they did. Pastor Nate, would you find your way back? All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if, and, and if on some point you think differently, that God will make it clear to you. So Paul's basically saying, hey, listen, you should have this view, but if on some point you think differently, I pray God changes your mind. In other words, I'm right, you're wrong. Like he just says it. That's a tough one to hear, isn't it? Now, if a pastor said that, we would get like roasted and barbecued. So I'll just, I just let Paul say it for me because it's true. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Each of us in this room have already attained a certain place in our relationship with God. 
And sometimes it's, I can even ask Pastor Nate, it's two steps forward and two steps backward. Three steps forward, one steps backward. Or maybe you fell all the way down the staircase. It happens. But can I tell you this? God's vision for your life and the values that He placed in your heart will never change. If you turn away from God and you begin to lust after the things of the world, there may be other things that get substituted in because the flesh has its own agenda. But the Bible says the gifts and the calling of God, they are irrevocable. And so if you try to run from God, those values and that vision will eat at you your entire life. It's never going to stop. I know this to be true. I've talked to people who have gone through that very thing. So in closing today, I can't really necessarily ask the church building to stand up and say that it's going to fall in line with this, but I'm prepping you for a time we're going to have in February where we're going to talk strategically in two weeks back to back about the vision of the church. It'll be after church and there'll be some food provided. So your tummy, tum, 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 we'll let you just relax. And it'll be up from, it'll be kids ministry all the way up to youth ministry the first week. And then the second week, it'll be every ministry after that. And if you're here and you're not involved in any, you can come and there'll be tables set up, but you can come and just kind of move around and listen to the different conversations and kind of feel it out for yourself. Maybe you don't know where you belong. That's okay. You might say, okay, so pastor, what's your bottom line goal? For me, a successful church. Do you want to hear it? I can give it to you in one statement. It's not a church that has money and is full. What? It's true. It's a church that is full of people who know why they're here and know what they're here to do. And they're doing it. 100% participation. If you're breathing, God has something for you to do. Well, my life's really busy. I know, I get it. And you might only have, you may only have 30 minutes a week. God will have something you can do with that 30 minutes, I promise. We'll figure it out. Maybe you could just pray. That's okay. We need prayer. Like never before. How many of you believe that God has placed you and this church strategically for such a time as this? Can I see your hand? If you're not sure, don't raise your hand. But if you really feel that, miss your hand. Okay. I know there could be some convincing involved. I get it. I believe with all of my heart that there's still something that God has to do. And I don't believe that because I'm here. Like, I really don't. This, isn't, this is not a me thing. This is actually more a you thing. I believe it because of you. 
You as a church have convinced me. So I want to pray for you today. Let's pray. Father, as we walk towards, well, as we walk in mission, towards vision, I pray that you would work in our hearts, work in our lives, that you would help us, oh God, to do what maybe others who look at us might think is impossible, to have a huge impact on the community around us. That, Lord, you would multiply our opportunities to be a blessing, that you would multiply the people that you would use, that you would raise up leaders in this house, that you would raise up people with the values that we know that you have placed in the DNA of this church, that, Lord, you would help us to move towards that vision like Paul did, that we would strain towards it, that we wouldn't look back, but that we would look forward towards what is. We do thank you for a godly history and heritage. But we have to chart the course forward now. So Lord, as we are all players and been called to do a piece and a part, begin to stir the waters of our heart as to what that might be. Bless each and every person, I pray. Keep us safe throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen.